the HD Movie Podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 102 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell. And I'm Hayley Alice Roberts. And it's that time of year again. What time is it, Darren? It's the third Summer of Sharks. So we'll be bringing you a few weeks of the most random shark movies that we can find. However, we've got to finish off one of the franchises. So we're going to make another step towards that. And... Probably to the delight of Mel Gurley, who likes the way I pronounce this word, we're going to be taking a look at Sharknado 5 Global Swarming. It is the first of our third dip into those shark-infested waters. We're on our third Summer of Sharks. And to kick off the third run, we are revisiting a franchise which we couldn't quite complete last time out. We're now at the fifth of the Sharknado franchise. Sharknado 5, Global Swarming, directed by usual Sharknado stalwart Anthony C. Ferrante. And we are completists on this podcast, so if we start a franchise, we will endeavour to finish it. So any movie that we have reviewed on this podcast, we will at some point look at its sequel if we haven't already. But as Darren has said, it's the turn of the Sharknado, and what a way to kick off Summer of Sharks 3. So without further ado, I'm going to read you a synopsis by the one, the only, Sharkspert, Mr Nick Reganis, and this is available on IMDb as usual. With a bitter taste in the mouth, knowing that the Sharknado crisis is far from over yet, Finn and April travel to London after the events of Sharknado 4 The Fourth Awakens 2016, as Nova Clark's fact-finding expedition accidentally triggers a wave of ferocious and bigger-than-ever Sharknados. As a result, with prehistoric Stonehenge as the epicentre of the unstoppable new menace, Finn's young son Gil gets sucked into the heart of the brutal cyclone with minimal chances of survival. Now, Finn Shepard, humankind's dauntless chainsaw-wielding hero, and his intrepid bionic wife April, must track down a complex and omnipotent vortex formation that rapidly transforms into something unimaginable, an ever-growing sharknado of global proportions. This time, Finn and April have their work cut out for them in a perilous mission across the four corners of the world. Who shall live and who shall die when the fifth awakens? As always, what a synopsis. Yeah, it's nice to have Nick back doing a synopsis on this one. We didn't think much to Sharknado 4. We think it had jumped itself a little bit. When it was set in Vegas, they didn't really do much with the story. They didn't really do much with the location. It felt a little bit flat. They've come back with vengeance in this one. 
because this is so batshit. It's got some of the craziest stuff in the franchise and it's so bonkers and so bizarre and so campy that you just cannot dislike this movie. I had such a good time with this one. I think I was a bit grumpy in Sharknado 4. I felt they literally jumped the shark. I was like, come on, it's time to stop now. But the third one was tough out to follow. I thoroughly enjoyed that one too. And I think number five and number three are on par with each other. So what I really enjoyed about this one was the London setting. So with us both being British, obviously there was a lot of celebrity cameos in there that were very recognisable to us. And we get on board with the British humour a lot more as well. So of course you have the hosts of Good Morning Britain on there doing straight-faced news reports about Sharknadoes, which is really fun. You even have a cameo from infamous glamour model Katie Price, which was quite hilarious as well. And just a slew of other people that we will talk about. There's Samantha Fox as well in this. So yeah, it's just a ton of fun going through it and spotting out the cameos. And of course, Louis Spence as well. He has a very small role. I felt they could have utilised him a bit better in this because he's got such a good personality. But, you know, it is what it is. This movie is just a blast. It's very tongue-in-cheek. It doesn't take itself seriously as all of the Sharknado films do that follows suit. But I don't know, it just takes the camp up a notch and unapologetically references things like so in your face, which is really fun. So, for example, we do get a cameo from David Norton, who is best known for playing David Kessler in An American Werewolf in London. His character is Mr. Kessler in this. And when he, he's attacked by the Sharknado, he does recreate the same pose from when he transforms into a werewolf in American Werewolf in London. So that's kind of the vibe you're getting here. And of course, the film does jump locations quite rapidly in this. So... We go from the UK to Australia and we get a fantastic cameo from the late, great Olivia Newton-John. We've got some Grease references in there and a reference to her famous music video, Physical. Yeah, it's, it's just a ton of fun. And it, it, some of the jokes might be a bit eye-rolling, but it's just done so in such a fun way. You can't help but find it charming. Kudos to the Good Morning Britain presenters managing to deliver lines straight-facedly doing quite a good job of it, including Laura Turbin, the weather girl, who says something like, oh no, it's not Laura Turbin, it's Charlotte Hawkins. She's going on about the weather, but Charlotte Hawkins says something about, please do not confront, aggravate, fight, pet, or feed the sharks. As if you're going to do that when it's coming down the road. Yeah, bizarre cameos. Samantha Fox, ex-page three girl, as somebody who works for MI6. So there's a kind of a Bond style bit of stuff. So you've got a reality that bears no resemblance to any kind of reality other than in the Sharknado series. The Prime Minister manages to stagger around for quite a bit fighting the sharks, even though he's got one of his own legs bitten off. He keeps turning up to fight them. Unfortunately for him, he does end up perishing. But you do get a 20-minute pre-credit sequence going around London, which bizarrely has a double-decker bus chase that also involves Brett Michaels from Poison, leading to the line where somebody hits him with the bus and the line is, oh my God, I just killed Brett Michaels. Well, they don't, because Brett Michaels is hanging onto the front of the bus playing his guitar. It's that kind of movie. If you don't think that that sort of thing is funny, then 
you're going to hate this movie because it's full of this stuff. There's so many references to other movies. It even references itself because the London Eye, the big Ferris wheel, breaks off and starts rolling down the road. This happened in a previous Sharknado movie. And at that point, one of the characters goes, oh, deja vu. So it's even referencing itself, this movie. There's loads and loads of stupid dialogue. Yes, the effects are as unconvincing as ever, but that's not what you go into a Sharknado movie for. You're there for a good time. The fact that Tara Reid gets yet more abuse of her character. She gets destroyed and put back together in this movie. She has different bits of her circuitry replaced by Olivia Newton-John. I mean, who wouldn't like Olivia Newton-John as a tech scientist? That's a, just a great bit of casting. But it just flies about so much, this movie. It's going to be in a different location in the next 10 minutes. So if you're bored in one place, they're off somewhere else. You do also get Nichelle Nichols, a Huru from the original Star Trek, in a cameo as one of the head honchos of NATO. So it's just throwing all sorts of people from all sorts of different franchises in it. There's even a point where you get a blimp joke. And I was waiting to see if somebody said, oh, the humanity, when the airship went down. They did not disappoint. Somebody does say, oh, the humanity, when the airship crashes. It's a stupid movie. And I imagine that a lot of people will get extremely annoyed watching this because it's so stupid. I love the fact that it's so stupid, this movie. I was having a great time. And the fact is, it only gets more stupid as it goes along. If you think the first half of Sharknado 5 is batshit, wait until you get to the second half. Absolutely. It's pure feel-good nonsense as far as I'm concerned. And I just really enjoyed myself watching this film. I think it was just the type of movie I needed. I didn't need anything brain-powering to get through. I needed just something light, fluffy, stupid, and this just delivers on all the levels. And, you know, it's ultimately a parody. It's a parody of everything. It opens up referencing Indiana Jones. I'm actually not familiar with those movies that much. I've never seen them, so apologies to Indiana Jones fans out there, but of course I still got that was a reference to that. So it opens that, and then, you, as you say, you have that crazy sequence through London before the credits begin the signature theme of Sharknado playing. Just so much fun. And this movie reminds me how much that I miss Gilbert Gottfried. He has a fantastic cameo, a very brief cameo, but oh my God, it is pure classic Gilbert Gottfried. What a legend. Just when you think they can't pull out anything that could make you smile more, Gilbert Gottfried turns up as a reporter on the Sharknado, which turns into a safarinado while he's watching it. This is how... Seriously, it's taken itself at this point. They go to Italy about two-thirds of the way through. Finn meets the Pope. Two things about this sequence. One, the Pope is Fabio, which is absolute fucking genius casting. And secondly, Finn's confession begins, Forgive me, Father, for I am Finn. Yeah, I did laugh out loud at that line. I'm sorry. I'm not ashamed of myself. I know that some people, as I say, might roll their eyes at that, but I just thought it was just very much on brand with Sharknado. It's just so much fun. It just put a smile on my face. and I'm smiling talking about it, so it definitely has its place. I think with shark movies, it's very difficult to get a good balance with them. I think they're either really over the top 
nonsensical like Sharknado franchise, or you get like pale imitators of that, or they try and be too serious, and sometimes that doesn't work either. So I think we always need to find something that is going to be entertaining, and I think this this just gets it pitch perfect in terms of how ridiculous and brain-switching off nonsense that it is. Because I say, I just had so much fun watching this one, and I was surprised because I thought, hmm, am I kind of bored of Sharknado now? I mean, has it run its course for me? But no, this one definitely delivered, and more. Yeah, five movies in, you would think, yeah, just pack it in now. And certainly at the end of the fourth one, I was thinking, yeah, just pack it in now. This rallied, and then some. It is a really fun time. And I guess if you don't like the rest of the Sharknado series, it's not going to win you over. But if you like some of the earlier movies, it captures some of that earlier fun. And it just goes balls out completely. Nothing is off limits. People die. There's globe trotting. There's ridiculous dialogue. There's stupid product placement. This time for the Xfinity streaming app. This turns up. In bizarre places. I'm assuming that Xfinity gave him a bit of cash. But even so, you get Xfinity placement all over this movie. And even at the end, somebody's trying to locate something. And they said, oh, look, let's see what I can find on the Xfinity stream app. Even the product placement is taking the piss out of itself in this movie. And, of course, you end up in Tokyo. And if you're going to end up in Tokyo, what are you going to get in Tokyo? You've got to have Godzilla but sharks. So you do get Sharkzilla. Oh yeah, that was another moment that I laughed out loud at and I thought, yeah, I should be embarrassed at myself for this, but no, I'm going to embrace this. It's genuinely tongue-in-cheek funny. And I think because all the well-known characters return as well as alongside all the random celebrity cameos, there's kind of like a bit of a comfort. You just know that Finn is going to save the day somehow. You know that something will happen to April where she'll combust in some capacity it's honestly just nice to see these characters come back nova as well who is it plays it a bit more straight than the others but it's nice to see everybody back and you know that you're in safe hands for these characters i mean you know they're not the most well-written characters of all time but you know it's just you can tell the actors are having fun in this insane shark b movie and they're just rolling with it and because you can tell by their performances they're having a blast the audience is going to have a blast along with them. And I think that they've left it in a good place where they can conclude the story. So there are a few little cliffhangers at the end. The ending, I don't know if we're going to reveal it because it's one of those where it's a very much WTF moment. But you're just like, yeah, I wouldn't have expected any less from this franchise, the way it ends. It's just, yeah, just too silly, but all in good fun. Yeah, something happens in the last five minutes of the movie that really throws the entire plot off its axis. And then there is a cameo right at the end of this movie. And you think, that is the last person I would have expected to turn up in this franchise. It's a great moment. And it kind of balances out the fact that earlier on in the movie, one of the characters, well, it's Gil, basically, Yes, the whole movie is about trying to retrieve him from the Sharknado because he's got this piece of kit on which allows him to fly around the Sharknado and not be eaten. He's got this fin on his head, basically, that MI6 have given to him. Don't ask why, but he's in the Sharknado. Now, as much as I appreciate Finn's willingness to save the rest of his family, 
Gil, he's such an annoying little sod. Taking on the mantle of kids in movies being annoying little sods from the start. <laughs> Even in a fun movie, Finson, the minute he opened his mouth, I was like, oh, fuck off. And I think you're kind of meant to think that as well in this movie because he's so precocious and he's so annoying that when he gets sucked into the Sharknado, part of me went, yes, yes, they've got him into the Sharknado. And then the rest of it was like, oh, shit, they're going to have to rescue him now, aren't they? That's what the rest of the movie's going to be about. The good thing is he doesn't appear a lot. So you get more focus on the mainstays of the franchise. You get a lot of re-enzeering. You, you know, Nova, Nova appears for quite a bit as well. Tara Reid, she gets sidelined a couple of times, as she does in every single Sharknado movie. But most of Tara Reid's acting is to struggle against external forces. And most of Tara Reid's dialogue, especially in the second half of the movie, is this. <laughs> That's what Tara Reid does for the second half of this movie. It's great. Yeah, she doesn't have to do much to be entertaining in this, let's just say that. But as I say, the cameos, there's so much more. Like this one, I think it just had everybody in this movie. Anyone you can think of, name a celebrity, they were probably in this. Tom Daly. I mean, that, okay, that was another moment that got me. That was pretty funny, where he jumps off London Bridge and says that he can swim or something to that effect. Yeah, he's trying to escape. Yeah, he's trying to dive off London Bridge. Doesn't end well for Tom. <laughs> but he looked like he was having fun in his cameo, to be fair. Complete random one. I'm not sure if I'm uh, pronouncing her name correctly, but Charo as the Queen. Yeah. Like, what What was that all about? That was very, very strange <laughs> and random because you're expecting to see the Queen as you imagine her, this frail, elderly lady with a big crown. But no, you get Charo, which is quite a random one. And you also get the infamous leader of Dance Mums, Abby Lee Miller, in this as well. And again, if you've seen Dance Mums, which I unapologetically have watched it is probably one of the worst shows you could ever watch but i have seen it all just because i'm just absolutely a sucker for bad reality tv at times yeah so her cameo is really random it's just as i say there's everybody and anybody in this film and it's just so much fun yeah there's another point at which they need to get somebody in to extricate somebody from a difficult situation and it's in Australia, and this guy goes, call in the hawk. And when he said that, I thought, oh, it's not going to be Tony Hawk, is it? It is Tony Hawk, which is brilliant. On a skateboard and everything, just uh, skating around the Sharknadoes. Anything crazy and batshit that you could imagine is just definitely going to be thrown in there. And because we're going to be watching the final instalment, I think it has a lot to live up to, and I'm kind of nervous that it is not going to compare to how fun this this one is i'm keeping my fingers crossed here that it goes out with a bang yeah hopefully so and it ends on quite a dark note for the sharknado series because it sets up quite a lot of dilemmas certainly for finn as to how he's going to save everybody in the last movie i mean it's as dark as sharknado ever gets even though it does put him in a tragic situation by the end you kind of think it's all going to be right by the end of the sixth one. It might not be, though. Who knows? Again, it's just ridiculous from start to finish. And Ian Zeering does try his best, even with the more emotional moments. But the overall thing is so daft that it's a losing battle for him, because even at the end, 
even when Finn's going through the ringer emotionally, you're still thinking, this is so ridiculous that that kind of washes over everything else. You get Jedward back in another cameo, bizarrely, at a cannabis farm in Amsterdam. It's just out of nowhere that they're sitting by this cannabis farm in Amsterdam. And it's like, well, what's that going to do with the rest of the movie? Nothing, really. It's just going on about the global effects of the Sharknadoes. So they're just throwing things in by the end. But if you care about that, you obviously haven't been paying attention during this franchise because it will chuck in anything at random to get a laugh. You just have to look at the dialogue being spouted by these people to realise that people were just trying to think of funny things to say. It doesn't have to make any logical sense. As soon as Olivia Newton-John gets on the scene, they're trying to drop in lyrical references to her songs. I think she says something like, you've got to believe it's magic. The Australian news reporters referenced Down Under by Men at Work. At one point, the advice to avoid the Sharknado is, you better run, you better take cover. And that, <laughs> that's, that, I mean, I think I was like, rolling my eyes at that point. It's like, oh, God, they did go there. But this series does go there. It's unashamedly stupid. It doesn't mind going to places that other franchises wouldn't go because you'd think that is just too dumb to go there. Now, I like the fact that Sharknado embraces its dumbness and celebrates it. And you don't have to have anything deep and meaningful in this series. It's just a good time. I unapologetically love the Sharknado series, apart from 4. 4 wasn't great, but I can watch this series anytime. It's dumb as shit, and that's why I love it. Yeah, I'm absolutely on board with you there. I do wonder, like, at the time, what drew so many famous people to this franchise. Like, I think it was a bit of a, a big deal to, you know, get a cameo in the Sharknado franchise. I think everybody just wanted a piece of the shark. and they, they. So I just find that really interesting, like, how they went about getting all those cameos in. I'd love to know. And runtime-wise, it doesn't outstay its welcome. 90 minutes, it just does what it needs to do, entertains you, and doesn't drag on. Or anything so I think that's what's even better about it that it just does what it needs to do and you feel really happy after you finish watching it and you don't have to think about anything too deep after you've just had just a very weird movie experience but feel all the better for it and say so it's just feel good nonsense and I'm totally here for that so it was released by sci-fi as usual on the 6th of August 2017 it's quite a while ago now it's been a long time since we've had a Sharknado film I don't believe we're getting any more as far as I'm aware. If we go to Rotten Tomatoes, the critics give it a measly 30% on the tomato meter and it has a 38% audience score and IMDb rated it 3.9 out of 10. And I think there are some movies that we've covered out there that have higher scores than this that are absolutely terrible. Come on, Sharknado deserves a little bit more love than this. As Darren says, it is a dumb as shit movie but it knows it is. It's not trying to be anything profound. And I think if you're going into this movie looking for something you know, a bit more serious or deep, you're not going to get that. And that does not make this a bad movie for it because it knows exactly what it wants to do. The CGI is meant to look terrible. It's meant to be completely unbelievable, but that's the charm of it. Yeah, boo to the audience, boo to the critics, boo to IMDb. Not enough love for Sharknado 5 out there. And if people think that there's no thought gone into it. If you look in the back 
of various scenes. There's stuff going on in the background that they never really reference in any part of the movie, but there's stuff to see. So it does reward a repeat watch. There's no attention drawn to the newspaper stand in the middle of London, which has the headline, Monarchy Tits Up. And that's just in the background of a scene. Nobody mentions it, nobody points it out, but it's there in the back of the scene. And there's all sorts of stuff like that in Sharknado 5. There's stuff on the edges of the frame and in the background. So they're loading it with all these references. Yes, you get the Raiders rip-off at the start. It knows what it wants to reference. It knows what it wants to take the piss out of. And by the end, you've almost got this weird Cormac McCarthy-type dystopian future coming into Sharknado, which is just bizarre. That kind of comes out of left field. But even that isn't taken seriously. And also, the artefact that is causing the Sharknadoes this time around, it is the cheapest movie prop you will ever see. It's supposed to be this thing of great power. But when you look at it, you just think, my God, how how cheap does that look? And I also think that's kind of a, a nod that it's supposed to look cheap, even though it's supposed to be this awesome force that shouldn't be handled by anybody and was kept under wraps in Stonehenge for thousands of years. But when you actually see it, it's just like something you would get out of a, a machine at a funfair. It's like this plastic bit of crap with a light on it. And I am sure that that is done on purpose. Absolutely. I would not put it past them. They wanted to make it look as rubbish as possible just to add to that B-movie referencing. Also, talking of Stonehenge, there are references to Halloween 3 Season of the Witch in there as well. So, again, that's one of my favourite franchise horror sequels you know and it's kind of like random as they everything's so random they put so many references to so many genres it's just so multi-layered got you know horror you've got musical references got comedy references topical references you've got everything in there it's just oh such a fun time so i think the classic comparison would be sharknado is a bit like marmite you're either going to love it or hate it some people will roll with it and just take it on the chin for what it is like us, and then other people might not be so keen on it, and that's fine too, but you just have to look at it and think, hmm, I'm not sure if this film's for me if you can't get on board with the blatant humour and references that they put out in there. So I'm excited to finish off this franchise. Maybe a little bit sad to let it go, end of an era. We first covered Sharknado in 2021, which is just crazy, so we have planned this out for two years, basically. Well, it's our third season, so... Three seasons of Summer of Sharks and we're completing Sharknado and it feels a bit like, oh, where are we going to go from here? Yeah, we've dragged out our coverage of Sharknado almost as long as they dragged out the Sharknado franchise itself. Not quite as long, but I have enjoyed doing it so far and I'm sure we'll have a lot of fun with the sixth one. Of course, if you don't like Sydney Opera House being revealed as some sort of battle station, then you're not going to get on with this movie. But... That's the sort of stupid thing that Sharknado does so well. And you're right about all of the references. It's just jam-packed with them. And I'm sure that you can watch it over and over again and spot something that you didn't get the first time. It's so full of references. It almost overwhelms the plot of what little plot there is. But that's what makes it fun, because you can you can play spot the reference. You don't even have to enjoy the movie. You can just spend it playing spot the reference. 
that's a bonus you can get in Sharknado 5 and some of the other Sharknados. So I'm a big fan of the series. I don't care what people say about it. I know it's rubbish, but it's not bad rubbish. This is entertaining rubbish. It's joyful. And I don't get people who just go, oh, well, this is just daft. Yes, it's meant to be fucking daft. This is the whole thing. It's about a tornado that's full of sharks. It's not geographically and biologically accurate. Why would you even think that this sort of movie premise would have any sort of seriousness about it? Just roll with it. You will have a good time with this. Switch your brain off. Be prepared for some absolute ridiculousness. Yeah, and that concept in itself is just so creative. It's so out of the ordinary that you just, I think, are drawn to it just to see how ridiculous this is. And I remember when I first saw the first movie and first heard of Sharknado, I was like, okay, what is this? <laughs> that was my first thought. And I was like, okay, I think this could be a bit of a fun ride. And it definitely is. I do wish we could chat longer. And that's it for episode 102 of the HD Movie Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. And if you'd like to keep up to date with all our content, you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at HD Movie Podcast. Summer of Sharks continues in the next episode. And as Sharknado briefly checked into Australia for part of its fifth instalment, we're going to check into Australia for an entire movie next time. What are we going to be looking at? We are going to be looking at a film with a bit more of a serious tone than Sharknado. So we like to give you variety on this podcast. We are going to be looking at 2010's The Reef. And it's the first time watch for us both, I believe. It is. So looking forward to that. Until then, stay safe, everybody. We'll see you soon. The HD Movie Podcast is presented by Hayley Alice Roberts and Darren Gaskell. Its music is written and performed by Mitch Bay. You can find the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podchaser, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes and Podbean.